Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Big run. He's at the 40, 35, 30, 20, and he's inside the red zone. He's trekked down from behind, down to the 19-yard line. We're talking Colts and recapping the action. 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. How about it? Indianapolis scores on a block punt. Settles in, floats it downfield, and it is picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it inside the 30-yard line, and it's Shaq Leonard. Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. On a Monday night, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Com. We're on a little bit earlier than normal tonight. Pacer pregame begins at 6.30 this evening. 7 o'clock tip-off against the Hawks in the preseason, so we're going a little bit earlier. Coming up on segment one, we'll be joined in a little bit by head coach Shane Steichen, and then Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are scheduled to join me per usual for the remainder of the hour. For the ninth consecutive time, the Colts fell to the Jaguars as the visiting team in the series. The Colts fell yesterday 37-20 in Jacksonville in a game that was decided by turnovers. The Colts turned it over four times, which is the highest turnover total for the Colts that they've ever suffered in a game against the Jaguars in club history. The game started off well for the Colts. They took an early 3-0 lead after a 16-play opening drive, but the Jaguars answered back with a long opening score of their own that resulted into a touchdown. So it was 7-3, and then everything changed on the next couple of plays. On first down on the next series, Gardner Minshew was strip-sacked, and the Jags recovered on the Colts' 22-yard line. One play after that, running back Travis Etienne scored on a wildcat run around the right side for a touchdown, and the Jags scored two touchdowns in a span of 16 seconds. The Colts would go on to be outscored 21-3 in the second quarter and trail at the half 21-6, and once the Colts got down big, they had to rely on that passing game more than they wanted to. Gardner Minshew set career-high marks and completions with 33 and attempts with 55. And the former Jaguar quarterback was never able to fully settle in after the Colts got down multiple scores. He threw a career-high three interceptions, had four turnovers in the game. He had picks in the second, third, and fourth quarters. All three were intended for Michael Pittman Jr., including the final interception in the end zone in the fourth quarter. The running game for the Colts, it never took off either. Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss combined for just 40 yards on 15 carries and an average of 2.6. Jaguars won the game by 17 points, which is the amount of points they cashed in off of Colts' turnovers in the game. And without those takeaways, the Jags had a relatively quiet day on offense. The Colts held Jacksonville to a season low in total net yards and passing yards. They also averaged only 3.8 yards per play and were 4 for 13 on third down. And the Colts sacked Trevor Lawrence three times and an interception by rookie cornerback Juju Brents, the first of his career, was just the third thrown by Trevor Lawrence this season. But again, it was all about turnovers. The Colts turned it over a combined seven times to the Jaguars in two meetings this season. As Jacksonville swept the Colts for the first time since 2017, the Jaguars take over sole possession of first place in the AFC South, and the Colts fall back to 3-3 three and 2-2 three and two and two in AFC South play on the season. And now they get ready for back-to-back home games starting this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. All right, coming up on segment two, as we said, we'll be joined by Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. And throughout the show tonight, we're always answering your uh, questions on social media. Send those in, as always, using hashtag Colts Roundtable. And with that, it's time to lead off the show. 
Our weekly chat with head coach Shane Steichen is brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. And, Coach, I know it was a, a really disappointing day all around in Jacksonville. Both teams scored on their first drive of the game. It was 7-3 to three in favor of the Jaguars. But then, like I said, everything changed with that strip sack on the first play of the second drive that was recovered by the Jags. One play after that, they go on and score a touchdown. So two touchdowns in a blink of an eye there in the second quarter. How much did that play and that sequence kind of set the course for the rest of the afternoon? Well, I think we tried to continue to play our game. Um you know, offensively and defensively. And then, you know, we had, you know, had another turnover there again, um, mm-hmm. you know, to go down 21. Um, they scored 21 off that. Um, but again, we, we got to keep fighting and maintaining, um, you know, consistency uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And it really comes down to taking care of the football. That's what this league is. You win the turnover battle, you usually win the game. And when you, you know, have four turnovers, um, it's going to be tough to win in this league. So we got to do a good job of stressing and maintaining ball security uh, each and every week. And once you got down by by multiple scores in that game, how, how tough was it to, to stick with the running game or at least incorporate that into the offense yesterday? Yeah, I mean, obviously when you get into the second half there, um, you know, the possessions are shrinking a little bit um, mm-hmm. and you got to go score points. And so, you know, 55 pass attempts, obviously you don't want to throw it 55 times. That's not a good formula to win football games. Um, but, you know, we, we kept fighting and scratching and, you know, tried to get back in that thing there mm-hmm. at the end. And our defense was doing a good job in the second half holding them. Um, but we got to keep fighting. Yeah, you, you know Gardner Minshew very, very well. I mean, the turnovers, uh, the interceptions, very uncharacteristic of, of his style of play. What, what do you see on those plays, I guess, individually? Were they just atypical throws or, or difficult reads for him on, on those plays? Yeah, just the little things were off, you know. And, again, it, it starts with coaches, too. You know, myself, you know, it starts with myself. We all got to be better, right? We all got to be better and, and doing a better job and, and executing at a higher level. And, uh, and that's how we got to roll, you know, hold each other accountable and get better and learn from it. And Shane Steichen with us. This is Colts Roundtable live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Again, I know – you were asked this question earlier today with the media, but just for this audience here, any update on Anthony Richardson and, and his timeline? Any update on whether or not he might need you know further medical attention, if you will? Yeah, we're still evaluating that. We we want to make the best decision for him, you know, personally, and obviously this, you know, the franchise, uh, short term and long term. So we're still evaluating that process, and uh, yeah. we'll make that decision when the time's made. All right, last one for me. Again, I know that game stings. Uh, it stings in terms of the standings, too. First place was on the line. Right now the Jaguars hold that tiebreaker. Uh, but as you said off the air, right, there's still 11 games to go. Shoot, you're 3-3, three and three and there's still plenty of football here. But what was your uh, message to the guys after the game, after a game like that, that, that did hold some weight to it? Yeah, no, it does sting. Anytime you lose a division game, those are big. But, you know, a lot of football left ahead of us, you know, still sit, you know, sitting at 3-3 three and three with 11 left. And mm-hmm. all that matters this week is, you know, Cleveland coming into Lucas Oil and getting that win. And uh, a lot of football left, everything we want, you know, uh, that our goals are, they're out in front of us. we got to go execute them. Indeed. All right, let's go to the mailbag here. Use the hashtag Colts Roundtable to uh, submit your questions tonight and every Monday night for head coach Shane Steich. And let's get right after it. Ryan coaches up uh, first. He's asking, it's tough for me as a fan to know where we stack up against the Jags because we kind of beat ourselves too often in those two games against them. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, obviously, anytime you lose in this league, you know, you look back at it and, uh, you know, execution's got to be at a premium, you know, when you're playing a good football team. Jacksonville's a good football team uh, and, you know, we got to take care of the football. You look back at those games, uh, there were mistakes uh, that we can control. And so we got to do a better job. Uh, in those situations, you know, controlling those mistakes and executing. Okay, Corey is up next. Uh, how do you think our running game will continue to adjust 
with Jonathan Taylor's involvement going up on a weekly basis. Yeah, no, I feel good about our running game. Obviously, you know, yesterday wasn't our you know best performance. Um, we were throwing it a lot more uh, in that game, and uh, but I feel good with our offensive line and JT. You know, getting back in the fold and Zach and the offensive mm-hmm. line, the way they're playing right now, uh, feel good about it moving forward. All right, Dan, I think, you, again, you were asked this question today with the media, but Dan is asking, what was our approach at the beginning of the game in the passing game? Were we trying to make the Jags defense change by throwing them out of their base defense through the air? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, we had some looks uh, on tape, you know, that we got. Obviously, Gardner was really efficient in that first drive, just taking the completions. I think we had 15 plays there and 14 of our passes. We had the third and one run. Um, yeah. But good efficiency throwing the ball uh, on that first drive, you know, which took a lot of time off the clock. And, you know, obviously we want to finish with a, a touchdown there instead of a sure. goal. All right, Aaron is up next. Uh, were you happy with the overall play of the defense on Sunday? That group was put into some bad spots due to turnovers, but overall they they held up their uh, their end of the bargain. Yeah, they sure did. I think they held them about what 230 yards total offense, which was impressive. Yeah, um, and, you know, and obviously you know putting them in those tough situations with the turnovers. I think they scored you know 17 off turnovers, putting them in those tough situations. But right, those guys were fe- uh, fighting and scratching until um, the end and got some good three and outs there definitely in that second half, which was yeah. huge. All right, last one from Richard. Uh, Richard is asking with teams knowing that they'll see Gardner Minshew at quarterback all week long in practice. What do you have to do to get a schematical edge to maximize his skill set? Um, I think we just got to look at our opponents, you know, what they're doing defensively uh, and put our, put him in the best situation to succeed along with, you know, all the other 11 guys on offense and just making sure we're executing at a high level uh, is going to be the big thing and taking the completions when they're there and we got to run the ball efficiently as well. No doubt about that. All right, the Browns are up next. Uh, certainly they've got one of the best defenses here in the National Football League. What do you make of them? I know it's early in the week here, but uh, just the challenge they pose coming off a huge upset win over the 49ers on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, just really starting to dive into those guys a little bit this morning, and then tonight and tomorrow will be you know big-time game planning uh, mm-hmm. versus those guys. But they're playing at a high level right now. I think, shoot, I saw somewhere where they've only given up just over 1,000 yards in their first couple games. You know, so, <laughs> Wow. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett is a heck of a football player. Um, they're playing at a high level. You can see they're running around. They're flying around. They're making plays. So, It'll be a heck of a challenge for us, and uh, we got to do a great job of game planning and uh, yep. having a great week of preparation. Yep, Colts are back home. Coach, always appreciate the time here on uh, on a Monday night here on Colts Roundtable Live. Have a great week of practice, and uh, good luck Week 7 back at Lucas Oil Stadium. All right, thank you. That's always our weekly conversation with head coach Shane Steichen. Appreciate that, as always. It's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group here on Colts Roundtable Live. Save at home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy. For money-saving tips, always visit citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings, where you can sack game day cravings with a $10 Colts meal deal, complete with an all-American cheeseburger, four boneless wings, and a half order of tots only at Buffalo Wild Wings, available at select Indianapolis Buffalo Wild Wings locations. Additional terms apply. We've got plenty more to get into tonight. We're with you until 6.30. When we come back, we're going to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, get their thoughts and their big takeaways on the Colts' loss to the Jaguars. On segment three, we'll open up a segment called What's My Line? Some yes or no questions on the Colts trying to figure out what went wrong yesterday. And then on segment four, it's the mailbag. Submit those questions in tonight and every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. So a jam-packed show tonight again with you until 6.30. Pacer pregame tonight at that time. And we're coming back for a lot more here on the Colts in just a moment on Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Colts Roundtable Live, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner tonight. With you until 6.30 p.m., we can find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, a proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. Segment number two here, I'm Matt Taylor. It's time to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights to the program. Fellas, welcome back again on our Monday night discussions here. Joe, how goes it tonight? How are you, sir? Doing well, Matt. It was uh, not a great uh, performance yesterday afternoon, but this is when you really got to hone into that 24-hour rule. It's never as good as you think. It's never as bad as you think. And as bad as that was overall for the Colts, division game, chance to get the tiebreaker back with Jacksonville being top. Mm -hmm. We have some very winnable games coming up, and we got to refocus and it's all in full speed ahead on Cleveland. That's all that matters right now. Yeah, only one win, only one loss the last couple of games for the Indianapolis Colts. That's exactly right and well said right there. Rick, how you doing on a Monday night? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing well. <laughs> Always after I get that night's sleep after the road trip, I the the old man feels better. I feel better today. Got a little bit of juice going. Um, you know, and the good news is you just said it. The good news is the loss is is bitter. It's tough. But it's really only one. Uh, a lot of football left to play, so you get right back in the saddle and you look ahead. All right. Rick and Joe, those guys have both watched the game film from yesterday's loss in Jacksonville. With that, it's time now for the tale of the tape. Go, baby. Raise in hell today, okay? Let's let it go, fellas. Bang, bang, play. Bang, bang. Keep the hammer down, all right? Keep talking to one another, man, and clean it up. That's all. Get ready. Get ready. Yes! Yes! Tale of the tape time. Joe, let's start with you. The Colts, they had four turnovers, a sluggish running game. They had a boatload of pass attempts from Gardner Minshew. In fact, 55 of them. Uh, You had some baptism by fire going on in the secondary. Joe, what were your big takeaways on your tale of the tape watching that game a day later here on a Monday? Yeah, I think you you hit on it with the four turnovers. You look at just the stats. We had more first downs. We won time of possession. We outgained them by 120 yards, and you're thinking, what happened with this score? It's four, four turnovers. And, you know, it's interesting. We have eight turnovers on the season. Seven of the eight are against Jacksonville. Yeah. And, you know, there were a couple interceptions, too, that were dropped. They had one that was offsides. And so, bottom line, you can't be minus three, especially on the road, and expect to win the game. But I really thought – we came out with some fire. We came out on a really nice drive, but then it, it was three plays of death. They score, fumble the next play, ETN rips it down the right side, and, I mean, the game was essentially over at 14-3. to three. We were battling back, and then we had that nice drive and, you know, threw an interception that got dropped, and the next play we threw another interception. So, bottom line, you cannot turn the ball over. But I think when I watched the tape from a, a schematic standpoint and, and the football X's and O's, one – I think really with this team now and with Minshew leading the helm, we have to be a little bit more of a Tennessee Titans approach, meaning we're a completely different team when we have the lead and he's in control than with Richardson. And that's because we just don't have the explosive play ability with Richardson's legs and also that threat of his legs. You go back last week, that 55 run by Moss, the reason that happens is because they got two guys that are keen on Richardson for the zone read, him going around the end. And now with that threat not being there, Jacksonville just kept getting tighter. They started playing faster against us. So I think we really have to think from a 
playing with the lead type, it's really going to be important for this team. Two, I think the running game. We got to figure out how to run the ball and make sure we're going to run it against loaded boxes, more safeties coming down, backers hitting downhill fast because they don't have that threat of Richardson. And, and then two, I think you mentioned it, the, the lack of uh, experience in the secondary showed up a little bit on that touchdown run. We got a little confused, looked like we were playing cover three and Brent's kind of sat on that, you know, inside hitch route a little too quick. All of a sudden they get loose for 30 down the sideline. So a lot of things that the Colts will correct today. And I, I don't think it's a time to freak out, but I do think the, the lack of offensive explosiveness now that we're not going to have Richardson for an undetermined amount of time and maybe a little bit the lack of explosiveness we have at the wide receiver position, we just got to think a little bit more about being able to really grind out some of these games offensively and defensively. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, I, I really thought it was a really disappointing performance. This was a pivotal match, you know, huge divisional showdown. Uh, maybe we put the cart before the horse with this team right now. Um, you know, and I think that the overall statistics are totally distorted. Yeah. Uh, when the game was in the balance in the first half, uh, the more talented and, frankly, the better prepared team um, dominated, and that was the Jaguars. I mean, they came out, um, you know, their quarterback uh, had 124 rating. Uh, he was 11 for 14, 79% in the first half and a touchdown uh etn in the first half was 4.7 a rush one tv a 22 yard explosive you know they consistently got the edge uh which was my number one must by the time we stopped it the game was over uh you know they created confusion with the wildcats we had with the wildcat we had no we had no com, you know no 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 clue at all what was happening there you know, they pretty much have our defense figured out. I mean, they know how to get on the edge. And really, you know, when it was all said and done, statistics or not, they had a commanding 31-6 to lead after three, three quarters. And then uh, defensively, you know, after we had the nine-minute opening drive, which looked good and looked sharp, uh, they toughened up there in the red zone and took over. Um, and without AR-5, you know, they predictably, just as I thought, they stayed with their heavy bare front. They stopped the run cold. We looked like last year. It was 2.6. And where they adjusted after that first drive is they were playing a lot of five-man bare, but they were playing it with a fire zone coverage underneath, and we were taking advantage of it. And they went to what, to me, is the nightmare scenario against uh, uh, against Minshew. They went to more man-to-man press, mm-hmm. and then they went to tight match coverage underneath, and they choked off his strength, you know, and then add to that, they brought a lot of inside pressure to get him off the spot. You know, the two first uh, half turnovers gave them the the momentum, obviously. Allen killed it with with a strip off the right edge. But really, more than even rhyming on that, that started because at that point now they went to -to man-to-man coverage, and you'll see it all day long, and this is a real issue. The Colts could get no separation, and they forced Minshew to hold it. And once Minshew has to hold it, then Allen ran the hoop, and he came back down, and he got him. And then, you know, the second second quarter pick, uh, you know, began the first of three, and lucky not to have six, really. Um, you know, they, again, I think the Jaguars played the Colts' nightmare scenario with Minshew. Take away the run with Bear, take away the dink and dunk passing game with press man and tight match, and then it's tough sledding from there. You know, even though there were the early plays, I thought the real kill sequence 
was this. I thought in the second quarter when it was 14-3, to but we got the big play to Jonathan. Remember, we got the 40-yard drub route, and he gets down there, and we're knocking at the door, and then we throw a special delivery pick to uh, – to, you know, to Cisco, yeah. it was a terrible-looking route. I don't know what happened. I think Downs maybe was supposed to clear it for 11, but they're sitting right on top of one another. Cisco gets it. He overthrows it. They get it back to midfield. Then they drive it, and we have another blown coverage, you know, by our rookie corner, and I'll get into that later. Uh, and instead of, at that point, a possible 14-10 to 10 game, right back in, get yourself together, it goes 21 to 3 and then you're waxed again in Jacksonville. So, you know, the third quarter, I thought the Colts looked disorganized on defense. Uh we weren't sure of the personnel on night on the 19-yard run and then Strange had the walk-in um, you know, reception which was, you know, kind of demoralizing. So, you know, and then, you know, to add to it just to make sure that all three phases got involved when we did kind of close back into two possessions, then Agnew took the return and twisted the dagger. So, mm-hmm. you know, I came out of there, and I think even more so today looking at the film, you know, during the game I, I'm emotional like anybody that's there, you know, and I'll, I'll have my highs and lows, and then my analyst hat goes on today, is, you know, when we have AR, when we have AR5, okay, he is a force multiplier, and he is somewhat of an equalizer in this game because he neutralizes the bear on the edge, and he neutralizes a lot of man coverage and match coverage because you're afraid of it with him and his legs. And so when he's there, you know, I think we're close with him, Matt, because we talked about this afterwards. But when he's not there, when we go back to a normal, a normal quarterback in that situation, then I think the gap is still huge like it was a year ago. That's Rick Venturi, and that's his tale of the tape. We're also joined by Joe Wrights tonight here on segment number two with you until 6.30 here on Colts Roundtable Live. Colts fans, remember the weather authorities are Fox 59 and CBS 4, Indiana's largest and weather rate certified most accurate weather. All right, that's the tale of the tape with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights on their initial thoughts after the Colts' loss and Jacksonville, after this quick timeout, we're coming back with a segment called What's My Line? And what do you say now about the Colts and their trajectory, if you will, after a 3-3 three and three record to start the season and more games on the horizon here without Anthony Richardson in the lineup. That's all coming up next. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back, everybody. This is Colts Roundtable Live on a Monday night, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. The show tonight is also brought to you by Hot Box Pizza. When the Colts score, you score. Check out your favorite hot box location for 50% off your entire order every Monday this season with promo code Colts. We're back again with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. Again, we're with you a little bit earlier than normal. We're off the air here at 6.30 for Pacer pregame in the preseason. It's time now for a segment we're calling What's My Line, right? You guys remember that old game show, What's My Line? I think it was... 
Didn't it start like in the late 40s, 50s, Rick? I mean, you were watching that it, bad boy actually, a long time ago. It actually did. And it actually did. And they'd have like a full, they'd have. It was like always a, a celebrity guest, on. right? Yeah, celebrity guest. And <laughs> they'd have all these famous pa- uh, panelists and they'd have eye patches. They'd have eye, yeah. eye goggles. <laughs> and then they would try to figure out who was who, you know, and, and if they could guess. And, you know, they would guess whether this guy was who he was and everything. And, yeah. of course, I'm old enough. It was the days of black and white TV. It was the only thing you could watch on a Sunday night. <laughs> it was a good show. It really was. So this this segment's kind of loosely based on that. I'm not sure if we're going to capture the spirit of the show, but uh, we're going we're gonna to try and figure out some yes or no questions here on the Colts. So uh, stay right there, fellas. Let's talk about the turnovers. Uh, the Colts suffered four of them on Sunday. Uh, career-high three picks from Gardner Minshew. Those giveaways led to 17 points for the Jags. And as you said back in uh, segment number one, Joe, Minshew hadn't suffered a turnover in his first five appearances, including being the starter in week three uh, on that win against the Baltimore Ravens. His lifetime interception percentage, I should say, is just 1.5% going into Sunday's game, which is a really good number, which makes Sunday's game and those three picks kind of an outlier. So in two losses to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Colts suffered seven of their eight turnovers. Joe, it's time now for this is my what's my line to you, the uh, yes or no question here on the panelist. Are you concerned about the offense, Joe, if Minchu has to shoulder the workload like he did Sunday when the Colts got down early? I know they got down early, but if you look at, at two starts this year for Minshew, week three against the Ravens and then yesterday against the Jaguars, Joe, the Colts in those two games with Minshew at the helm starting, they're averaging 49 pass attempts in those games. Are you concerned about that going forward, Joe, with Minshew orchestrating this offense? I would say not concerned, but it's just a different vibe. You mentioned those pass attempts. The reason is our running game hasn't been going as much, and Coach mentioned it. When you don't have the threat of AR5, their defenses, they don't have to worry about nearly the same amount of items. And you even think the three games that Minshew's came in and backup duty and played well will think all week they're preparing for AR5, and all of a sudden you have to switch your game plan on a dime, and that's just a little bit different than Jacksonville having the full week of preparation to know we just have to have a plan of attack for Minshew. So we got to figure out a way to be more constructive running the football, knowing we don't have the threat of Richardson with his legs. And I always think turnovers, Matt, to me, come down to three three areas. One, time and score. So if you're down in the game and you're down 31 to six, obviously you got to press a little bit more leads to more potential for turnovers. I think two poor decisions on offense. And I thought we had some of those, you know, that, that pick we had down in our red zone was 14 to three looked like we had two receivers in the same area. We weren't quite on the same page. And then three special plays by the defense. And I think as much as we want to talk about the Colts and being self-inflicted wounds, Jacksonville just made some really good plays. They have some special defenders And I thought overall, Matt, when I watched the game this morning, the speed of the game in which Jacksonville played was faster than us. And it started out close to even, and Jacksonville kept playing faster and faster, more aggressive, more intensity. We weren't able to match just the speed of the game in which they played. So I think those are the three reasons combined we had four turnovers. But I do think the biggest thing is figuring out a way we can play the game and we can continue to run the ball effectively and call more than 14 or 15 runs in a game because we're going to have to do that with Minshew at the helm and with our lack of explosiveness we have 
at the wide receiver position. All right, then, within that topic, what's my line number two here? Yes or no, Rick Venturi, with Richardson out, that running game, it's going to fall more on the running backs. We know that. But do you expect to see more pressure on Minshew from defenses throughout the season to force him into off-balance throws and make him push the ball down the field more like the Jaguars did on Sunday? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they teams are going to pray to get us into a 55-throw game. I mean, because, you know, I've said it all along, and right from training camp, Minshew is a context quarterback. If he plays against a certain type scheme, like if he played against us, if he played against ourselves, he'd have a real high percentage because we're an area zone team. But otherwise, it's different. Now, I totally agree with Joe on this. I mean, and Joe used a good analogy when he said we have to be a little bit more Tennessee-like. And I totally believe that because, really, our game changers are Taylor and Moss. I mean, the two best players on offense without AR5 are Taylor and Moss. And so we cannot sit there and think we're going to be Air Coriel. Now, we can start a game off like we did, and if we have a team that's playing soft zone, boom, 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 that's a quick way to get started. Mm -hmm. But that's not sustainable. We have to now get to where we can pry open a bear. Well, I was really disappointed because I've seen us run some schemes, some down-block schemes that look pretty good that are designed for bear defense, but we didn't run any of them Sunday. We went back to all zone runs, and the bear defense, without a quarterback to get outside, the bear defense will kill zones. I would play bear all day long, and you ain't going to get a yard because I've got you covered and I've got names, and I don't care how good your running backs are. So we've got to go back to the drawing board, and we've got to say, hey, this is now going to be the model. This is what you learn from. This is what teams are going to look at film, and they're going to say, we're going to play bear all day against you guys, man-to-man press, and dare you to throw it. And we cannot count on throwing it. So we have got to go back to the drawing board and figure out how we can run off tackle with seal blocking. You know, basically, we've got to be able to run the counter tray with seal blocking. Mm-hmm. We've got to run whams with that kind of blocking. Joe knows what I'm talking about. And we've got to be able to execute those things because we've got to keep, if we're going to win with Minshew at quarterback, we've got to keep that ball 25 to 30 times rushing. We have to. And our two best players are there. So, you know, and that doesn't mean we can't screen to them and run some RPO and stuff like that. But we have got to master this bear defense. Or without AR5, you know what it's going to look like? It's going to look exactly like last year. See, to me, when I walked out of that game yesterday, Matt, and after I looked at the tape, I said, this looks exactly like 22. So yeah. we have to figure that out. This is really incumbent on our staff to figure it out because we still now, more than ever, have to win with 28 and 21. That's Rick Venturi. Joe Wrights is along. I'm Matt Taylor. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live tonight here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, we're playing What's My Line? Let's go to the next topic here and stay right there, Rick. So, the, the running game, this is wild to me. In two games this year against the Jaguars, the season series is over. Uh, the Colts average 54 rushing yards per game. Against everybody else, the Colts are averaging 147 rushing yards per game. The Colts, they only had one run over 10 yards in two games this season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. As you said yesterday, uh, the Colts averaged only 2.6 yards per carry. Rick, what what happened in the running game yesterday? Why is it – you talk about that Bear defense. For those that don't know, 
maybe give us a 30-second synopsis on what the Bear defense is and why it gives the Colts so much trouble. Well, and the thing is, is Jacksonville has it figured out, and they say we're not going to play it 40% of the time. We're going to play it 85% of the time. And here's what the Bear is simply. You put a guy down on the nose. You put your two defensive ends down on the guard. So you cover the interior right now. You You cover them. They can't get off. It's harder to pull. And then you take your two edge guys and you bring them off the edge, which for them is Allen and Walker. And then you have a stack backer, two stack backers, and a safety, which is usually Jenkins. And then you have Olacon and you have Lloyd in there. And so what those front five guys do is they attack the line of scrimmage. And they attack us better than any other team. They do more dominating of our offensive line. Uh, every time we play against Robertson Harris, he does a good job on 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 uh, Nelson to tell you the truth, and they dominate. They push the line with those guys, and then they attack with those inside three. And you know, Olakon is a tackling machine. Lloyd is tough. Jenkins is tough up in the box. So when you go to run zone runs, you can't get through for linebackers. They get free to the off tackle. They get free to escape. There's really no place to go now. Some teams would say if this was Shula's old Dolphins with Marino, the way he beat it is he threw every down. But we're not capable of doing that. We are not going to win that way. And that's kind of so what we, the Colts did last year in game two at home against the Jaguars it, at Lucas it, Oil. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. But we are not going to do that consistently. It's not sustainable. So we have to go back and look at the old tapes. Now, I'm familiar with them because it was my vintage that this defense was played in the 80s with Buddy Ryan, but it's really made a complete return. But Jacksonville says, we know the Colts. We are going to play the Colts this way every single down, and that's the difference. Like, I was shocked Tennessee didn't do it, but Tennessee stayed in there over the whole game, and we gashed that. We will gash that. So I'm sure Joe has some thoughts on that, but I'm sure he's on the same page because we've looked at it. Yeah, and Coach, to add on to that, I think, one, I think Nelson has played at a really high level all year, but he did not have his best game. And when you're playing a team, again, that's going to cover up the center and both guards in that bear defense, you got to have some great individual performances. And then I think too, this is a game we really miss Braden Smith. I thought Braden Smith was off the charts. Good last week against Tennessee. Now it's a tough, it's a tough ask for Freeland to play two games at left tackle. Now you go to right tackle against a really good front. And I thought you could see on the right side of the line, we really miss Braden Smith and his stability because him and Fry's, had some good things going yesterday, but I think it's a combination of one schematically. We got to get more creative and know this is a copycat league. And I would expect Cleveland to come in here and play tight man coverage on the outside. That's what they did all game against San Francisco yesterday and beat the 49ers, which nobody saw coming. And so we got to figure out how we can do it schematically. We got to have better individual efforts just from the offensive line. And, and if I'm Shane and I'm Tony Sperano, I'm going into that meeting room this week and I'm mm-hmm. saying, fellas, you got to have you be the heartbeat of this team. I know we're going to get some heavier boxes. I know we're going to get some heavier fronts, but guess what? We're just the men for the job, and we got to buck up and we got to do it, and we got to be able to grind people out better, just running the ball and being okay with three, four tough yards. And maybe we run it for second and six, we run it again. It's third and two, we run it again. And I think we're going to have to win games with that and win games with our offensive line really being assertive and taking it over. So hopefully we can get Smith back. Mm -hmm. We can get our five guys there and really issue the challenge 
for the line to step up and lead this team, especially over these next four or five weeks. Joe Wright's right there along with Rick Venturi on the horn. I'm Matt Taylor. You're listening to Colts Roundtable live tonight with you until 6.30. And that's What's My Line here on the program tonight. Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you by McDonald's. You know when the Colts score, so do you. Buy one Big Mac and get another one free when the Colts score a field goal. They did that twice yesterday with Matt Gay. That's available only in the McDonald's app. All right, when we come back, we're taking your Twitter questions. Get them in. Send them in using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll take uh, a handful of them before we close out tonight. Again, with you until the bottom of the hour, 630 here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back again to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips always at citizensenergygroup.com. And the show is always brought to you as well by McDonald's, where field goals equal deal goals. Buy one Big Mac and get another when the Colts make a field goal during any game this season only in the app. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are back again. I'm Matt Taylor. This is the mailbag segment. Tweet them in. Use those questions and use the hashtag, I should say, the questions with the hashtag uh, Colts Roundtable for the fellas on the program tonight. we got a handful of minutes left, and so let's get right to it. Let's go to Stuart. He's asking, uh, Rick, how close are Brents and Jones at corner to becoming mainstays for us in the secondary. Of course, both of those players, Juju Brents and Jalen Jones, Rick, they're uh, rookie corners, baptism by fire at times yesterday. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I really like these two kids. I, I think these two kids have talent. Uh, I think they have athleticism and length. Uh, a couple things I really like about them. I think they're really competitive you know, at this point in their career, they're a little bit like the girl with the curl. You know, they flash a really good play, and then something happens that's a head-scratcher. You know, and that's that's part of youth. But we chose that as a franchise to go with youth. And so I'm going to put a little bit of the problem here on the staff in this sense. Uh, you know, I, I think that really coaching in the NFL, you hear me say this all the time, whether it's game plan, uh, is is really adaptation and maximizing assets and minimizing limits. Now, these kids are talented and they're long, but they're costing us games, but they're not costing us games because they're not good enough. They're costing us games because they're indecisive and making errors. And that's a no-no from a coaching standpoint, even with the rookie from that standpoint. You know, we, but we blew the Ram game because we didn't sort a bunch and we allowed a guy to go wide open for a walk-off touchdown. You know, the the killer, the kill shot, the the 21st point was, again, a blown coverage, you know, by Brent's on the right side. But I'm not blaming him totally. What I'm saying is, as a defensive staff, you can do this. I coached 27 years in the NFL, either as a secondary coach or a linebacker coach. There is no scheme that I haven't coached. And when you have young kids, when you have rookies, and our kids are sharp or they wouldn't be here, but even at times when I've had guys that weren't very sharp, I was always able to simplify the game for the corners, particularly if you have safeties who can cover in space 
which we do certainly with Blackman. He's half a corner. Thomas is not bad, and I, and I would put Cross in if I have to because he's a hybrid like Blackman who can play a corner and isn't, isn't worried about being isolated by a wideout. And so I would really keep it simple with these guys without, without simplifying the defense. I mean, and get them into press almost all the time with that length that they have. Let them get up and press those guys, play one-on-one. I mean, Brents was playing Bridley really well over there, and then they had one of those read coverages where we, we read number two, and he wasn't sure, just like he wasn't sure on the switch-off. Well, to me... You know, we can blame it on the kids, but we don't have time to blame it on the kids. We have to take control of that with the staff and simplify it for these guys. They're going to be very good someday, but they can be damn good right now if we simplify within every coverage. You keep it simple for the corners, and trust me, I know that it's possible, and it has to be done or else we're going to give up games. And these kids are better than that. I really believe this. I like those two kids. Yeah, no doubt about it. A lot of upside there. Okay, let's go to Chris's question here on the mailbag. Again, hashtag Colts Roundtable to interact with us uh, every Monday night. Uh, Joe, Chris is asking, how can we get more explosive in our offense when we're not down big and not playing from desperation mode? This is where I think my my focus, number one, for the offensive staff would be this week in terms of how do we get explosive plays. And when you do that, I think you think – players not scheme and the players are taylor moss and i think josh downs and so whether it's being more creative with them in the passing game i mean taylor had that 40 yard play on a rub route we went five wide they're in man coverage we run them across the field if you play taylor and moss together you're probably going to get heavier defenses more linebackers and then we can spread them out and let those guys work I think the screen game is really important. We've been doing it from a wide receiver perspective, but some more creative running back screens. And so I would just think these are our three most explosive guys. How can we get them in advantageous positions? And especially with where the film was on Sunday, I would guess teams are going to play us more with some more bear, some more heavy boxes and some tight coverage on the outside will take advantage of Taylor Moss and downs either on inside linebackers and safeties, because I do think we have advantage there. Coach, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm pretty close to that. I'm just a little bit different because I see Moss as a, I see him explosive, but I see him explosive between the tackles. If you open the hole, he can take it. The guys to me that can create that can get in space and make things happen. To me, the three guys are 28, Taylor, obviously Downs, and obviously McKenzie. I think those are the guys that can create open plays. And so schematically, I'm right with you, Joe. I I think you move Taylor around, and I do think that playing Taylor and Moss together and moving Taylor around can be really effective. You saw the 40-yard play. We've never done that before where we put him out there as the widest receiver. Now, we've done that, but we've never brought him across in a rub route like that, and that was – tremendous also the little slip screens to him on first down coming out of the backfield sometimes against those loaded boxes are much better than sweeps because it freezes those linebackers like Olicon. they think pass first they're not just flaming to the ball so i think you know i think getting him involved in what i call loose play stuff is really critical even a little bit like they did with uh you know they did with uh, etn with that wildcat i mean mm-hmm. just some different things to get him and create some confusion. And then I still think a combination of downs. I think we've got to quit thinking of downs just as a slot 
because when we're doing that, we're only reducing him to the middle of the field. I mean, the one time we got that red zone, he took that number 30, that right corner, and broke his legs for the touchdown within a short area. See, I think he's the guy we should be pushing deep. We can use him on over routes. We can use him on gadgets. But he is deadly one-on-one. He's our best one-on-one receiver. It's not even close. And then McKenzie gave you the big play on the on the speed the other day. So, again, I still think it's going to come down to, and I didn't get into this, and I think we got to use more multiple tight ends if we're going to run against that bear. You know, and then you use these guys, you know, you use these guys in, in various positions to create space for them. All right, that's a look at the Colts mailbag, a part of Colts Roundtable Live tonight. Rick Venturi, Joe Wright, I'm Matt Taylor. As always, send in your questions for us every Monday night with the hashtag Colts Roundtable. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Caesars. Enter for the people's sweepstakes presented by Caesars Sportsbook with Caesars Rewards for your chance to win a Peyton Manning autographed item and a $250 gift card to Jack Binion Steak at Horseshoe Indianapolis Racing and Casino. Visit Colts.com slash Caesars for more information on that. You must be 21 or older to enter. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at Week 7 and the Cleveland Browns. They're fresh off a huge upset win over the 49ers on Sunday. So we'll do that when we close it out right after this. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live back in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Welcome back for the final time. Colts Roundtable Live returns, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And tonight's show is also brought to you by, of course, Meyer, the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. Time now for those closing arguments to wrap up the show tonight with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. And, Joe, I know that game was ugly yesterday, but as a, as a former player, what are you doing this week to bounce back, get your mind right for the Browns, and get your attention right as those Browns, they're for real in the sense that they pulled off an upset over the 49ers on Sunday. Man, it's, you never know. It's any given Sunday. The 49ers had won 15 straight regular season games and then a team with a backup quarterback knocks them off. So how do you get right mentally as a former player there? You got to watch the film today with a critical eye and you got to dump it and you got to get focused on Cleveland. And they got a real defense. They held San Fran to 215 yards. They won it with PJ Walker, but you got a home game coming in here with Cleveland. And I think for the Colts, for me, you're three and three after six games. You've done nothing to really separate yourself, but you're not out of it either. You're still very much alive in this AFC playoff race. And you got four games, Cleveland at home, New Orleans at home, at Carolina, who looks awful, and then New England, who looks the same in Germany, and then you got your bye week. And we got to take advantage of this four-game stretch right here to put us in a position to really be in the hunt when we get done with our bye week and we're into November and December football. This is the sky-high Cleveland Browns coming in here. Uh, Their defense is coached by my protege, Jimmy Swartz, and they are tremendous. They are number one in the league on defense with the, in my opinion, best edge rusher in the game in Miles Garrett. They can can ruin your day on defense. And then on offense, if Deshaun Watson is ready this week, he is a handful. We've seen him almost single-handedly beat us with a bad Texas team, and they have a real top-tier player in Amari Cooper. Now the irony, we could be seeing the two Walker guys 
against us, two former Colts. That's Anthony in the middle and P.J. at quarterback. But I, I'm pretty sure that Watson will be ready this week. We will find out as the week progresses right there. Great job, Rick Venturi, Joe Wright. I'm Matt Taylor. We're up against it. we got to run. Pacer Hoops is coming up next. As always, if you missed any of the show tonight, check it out on Colts.com and the Colts Audio Network. My thanks again to Shane Steichen for joining on the first segment as well here tonight. 6.30 is Pacer Hoops. That's coming up right around the corner, and we will do it again next Monday, recapping Colts and Browns. And as always, stay right here on the fan all week long for the latest on the horseshoes. Pacer basketball is coming up next here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night.